the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. All right, hello, hello. Welcome to Garrett Talk Sports. I am your host, Garrett Clausen, and I am joined today by Chase Peterson. How you doing, Chase? What up, what up? I'm doing good. How about y'all? Glad to have Chase. He is one of my my all-time homies. We uh we go all the way back to Outback in what year at this point? It's been 2014. 2014. Yeah, we're going on eight years strong eight at the long uh, years, my friend. At the Outback. Um finally convinced him to to be a dynasty guy. Uh, after a long struggle, and now he's hooked. And now here we are doing fantasy podcasts together. Um, definitely happy to have you here, my friend. Yeah, I was uh, not a big fan of the Dynasty uh, format, if you will, for a long time due to some past bad leagues that I had been in. But yeah, you got me hooked on it, and uh, I am definitely addicted to it, that's hooked for sure. on phonics. Let's do it. Hooked on phonics. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we're going to start off uh, just a little bit with a little bit of news and notes. I thought it would be in a, a good time to uh, to break out some Braves-Dodgers talk with uh, the resident Braves fan here in Chase, uh, me being the Dodgers fan. Um, after the big series over the weekend, Freddie coming home for the first time since the, uh, the signing in L.A., Pretty emotional, uh, to say the least. Uh, what, the, what, did, what did you make of the situation? Well, after watching the whole thing live – it was just constant zoom ins on his face of him just whether he was crying or rubbing his face or hiding himself in his hat or whatever it was. There was once he was standing on first with Matt Olson and he's tearing up. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of underlying things there that I'm sure sucked, but I'm happy to have Matt Olson. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Matt Olson was a, a great signing or trade and sign uh, for the Braves, especially for their long term future. He's not that much quote-unquote, worse than Freddie, that it was worth it. The, the, really, the difference is you lose prospects by not keeping Freddie. You know, if mm-hmm. you're going to get the oh, same yeah. level of play and you're in win-now mode, that's the only thing they lost. And to me, that's worth it. The thing is, like, is Freddie – Is my question as a Dodgers fan is his heart in it for the Dodgers after watching him. I've never seen somebody literally cry on the field like that. No, I've never seen anything. A grown like man, like, out there crying, like, leaving it all on the field. Um I know it's tough, especially since they came off of winning a World Series together. That probably adds to it. But as a Dodgers fan, I am just hoping that he just goes back to to being Freddie and that he can make a new home. He's got six years to make a new home. Yeah. Well, like you said earlier, the day after, he fired all his agents and stuff. So if that tells you something of how the whole thing went down. Yeah, it's definitely – it's probably nostalgic more than anything for him to come home and – and just re-experiences all the fans. And I'm sure he, uh, a part of him probably questioned whether or not he was going to, what kind of reaction he was going to get from the crowd. Because he probably thought that a lot of them felt betrayed. And I'm sure some people do still. But I think because of Matt Olson, I think a lot of people actually feel better about it now. And they respect Freddie enough to give him his standing ovation that he deserved. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of people out there with the split Braves, Dodgers, you know, Freeman jerseys. It was it was cool to see. We let's just be happy that we got Olsen and he's now with your Dodgers, which is kind of sad. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not all bad. Hey, and we take we, Dodgers take the series. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to poke the bear too much today. But <laughs> you poke that bear. Hey, I, we got the NFC East, the Cowboys. We got plenty of stuff to talk about. That. So. That's right. That's right. Uh, one other news and note item that uh, that just happened a few hours ago is the uh, Hawks made a trade for for Murray. 
Um, I know that uh, a lot of people are pretty excited about it. They did give up several picks for it, but uh, how are you feeling on that trade for the, for the Fox and their future now? Well, I'm, I'm fine with it, obviously, considering Russell Westbrook is due to make $50 million this year, and he's only <laughs> due to make 16. And he was terrible last year. Exactly. <laughs> so I think we're, we're, we gave up some stuff, but we're in a spot where we can go spend more money now and still fill out the roster even more. I don't know if I would say Eastern Conference Finals with that one one move, but it's exciting nonetheless. Yeah, I, I think it's a good move. I think it's something that, uh, you know, it's it's a small enough of a move to not, like, have given up way too much, but it's a nice enough move to where they can actually build around that young core that they now have and, uh, and maybe actually make an, an extra step because, I mean, they were just in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're not that far away from being a contender if they can put it together. And because in the NBA you have to have almost at least a two, a big two, if not a big three at this point oh, to yeah, really of actually take it to the next step. So we'll see what happens. I think I think they have a chance. I'm also still a firm believer that that 2020 season with no fans in the stands <laughs> still has a lot. All sports really, yeah. Because you have those those small sample sizes from people that played with no fans, right? And now you're starting to see them their their true colors, right? A couple years later, true. That's a good point. It's uh the Hawks the Hawks have just always been in that like mid range for so long. At least they're finally consistently making the playoffs. They were like always like the first team out, which is purgatory in the in the NBA. Joe NBA. Johnson was fun, man. That was a fun time. <laughs> so I just watched him on the uh, the big three uh, <laughs> tournament or whatever the other day. It's still still out there balling. Ice cube, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, that's really all of our news and notes for today. We're really going to get into the NFC East breakdown. So we're going to talk my my big Cowboys, mm. the uh, the Washington. Commanders, commies, whatever you want to call them. Football team, Redskins. <laughs> uh, Eagles and Giants. So we're going to go ahead and get that started right now. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into it. We're going to start actually with the New York Giants. Uh, not my favorite team in the world. Joycey. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but they're, uh, you know, they're, they're an interesting team this year because they obviously have a new offensive coordinator in Brian Dable, who had a lot of success with the Bills last year. Um and I think that could make or break their entire season. Um, it all starts, and we'll go ahead and get into Daniel Jones at quarterback because he, it's it all depends on him because mm. we haven't seen enough from him to know whether or not he's going to be solid. Yeah, um, I think that he has shown flashes, especially the one game in particular I always remember is his rookie year. He got in that battle with Jameis Winston and Tampa, pre-Tom Brady. And he made a furious comeback and scored like 40 points, fantasy points, Daniel Jones. And that was enough for me to buy like a little bit of sleeper hype of him last year. And then it never really happened and oh, we yeah. haven't seen it yet. So, I mean, what? how do you feel about Daniel Jones? Well, the new, the new coordinator helps a lot because he made Josh Allen into a freaking monster. Right. So with Saquon being finally saying he's ready to go, their their receivers, they don't have a bad receiving room. They just don't have that guy. Right. So that's going to be another issue, but I think he has the rushing upside and I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily take him in dynasty or redraft, (laughs) but there it's there. They have the easiest schedule, the number one easiest schedule in the NFL. Yep. That's true. Of course, preseason, but 
that's that's at least one hopeful part if you're a Jersey Jersey Giants fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like for fantasy purposes, I'm like you said, I'm probably not taking Daniel Jones, especially in redraft. Um, this is it for him, though. If he struggles again, you, he's done. Like they're going to draft another guy. They'll move on after this year. Well, it, it, that's it for him in the NFL. Um, but he do he could potentially have that upside. I mean, if he makes a Josh Allen type leap, we're gonna all be sitting back. Thinking, what? What were we thinking? Sleeping on this guy. Well, even if he makes a, a a small leap, his rushing upside is enough to put him into the top fifteen, which is serviceable. Right. Right. So that's something to think about. Uh, they got Tyrod Taylor, who at least <laughs> has played in football games. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if it continues to go down the drain. Then yeah. Jones takes a bench. But to me, to me, the only way we probably see Tyrod is if. The Giants are somehow still winning games, but it's like in spite of Daniel Jones, and they're yeah. like they think their best chance of winning is to bench him and throw in Tyrod, mm. um, or Tyrod goes out and gets his revenge and breaks or punctures the lung of Daniel yeah. Jones, <laughs> like he did, lost his job to Herbert. Mm-hmm. God, that was <laughs> poor unfortunate soul. Yeah, you look at his <laughs> you look at his last three years. He's 27, 24, 25 in PPR. So even if he makes the jump to fifteen, I'd say it's. I mean, hopefully it's enough to get him another shot. That schedule, that schedule's enough to give them hope, I would say. The NFC East as a whole, yeah, all has a pretty relatively easy schedule for the most part, which is a good thing for fantasy purposes. It gives you confidence to start these guys that you're a little nervous about. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's talk about a little bit of his weapons. Uh, Obviously, it starts kind of with Saquon, who has been – once was the focal point of that offense, but just has not stayed healthy. I think that he is showing up to camp so far, it, quote unquote, in the best shape of his career. We hear that a lot in training camp. Uh, that's a normal thing to hear. Yeah. But I mean, how where where are you at with Saquon right now? I know I know you're a big Saquon guy, but that's that's tough, man. He could just with the team being if they don't have a good year, he could go off for he's a receiving guy. He could go off. Now Matt Breda did follow Correct. Dable. Dable over there. Dable, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So that's another thing to think about. Um, then you have Gary Brightwell behind him. So <laughs> he's Saquon's in for the touches. That's for sure. But it depends on how if Jones can get him the ball in the receiving game is really going to decide whether he's that guy that he was. Right. To me, it it boil, obviously it will continue to boil down to his health. That, that's just something we can't predict anymore. Is you. I like to bank on no injuries and then just be disappointed if it happens because the upside without injuries is usually pretty successful. My thing is whether or not I'm going to believe in Saquon or not is whether or not that offensive line is actually better this year because he had a horrible yards per yeah, carry right. attempt last year. Uh, he was getting nowhere on on any of his runs and it just, he just wasn't explosive. I think we saw like one or two big runs from him all year long. And that's just not what we were used to seeing after that rookie year where he was just electric out of the backfield. Um, I'm not entirely sold on him, but you do, you go back to 2018, number one in PPR, right. number 10 in PPR in 2019. Freaking. And that's with missing game. Just 13, just rushing 1,300 yards and then receiving, he added another 800. Right. So that's, that's league winning stuff right there. If he can get back to where he was. Uh, yeah, we, we've all seen it. He, he's just somebody like you have to take it the right value. He'll probably go and redraft in like the second to third round, um, which could be good value depending on how you build your team to start. Mm-hmm. Um, in, 
In redraft, I like him. Yeah. In dynasty, I don't know. That's because he's going so high. His con- contract year too, so it, it's not that he he'll still play if uh, even if he doesn't have a great year. I mean, he's still got a lot left in the tank, I think. But he might not be a giant next year, or he might not have the mega volume he's mm-hmm. had if he goes somewhere else where they no longer believe in him as a three down workhorse back. Where his ADP puts him, I I would prefer to stay away. No, no, if right. he falls to you, absolutely, just bank on him. But. Right. That's a tough game to play. Uh, this this game is all about chance. You hit you hit on some of these, then you're you look like a genius. If you don't, then you look like a like a fool. You do, <laughs> you do, and it happens. That's for sure. Now the pass catchers uh, in in New York are are kind of interesting. Like we kind of mentioned, there's not really that like true elite alpha guy. It's not but, a bad route. No, it's a it's a pretty solid like a bunch of B guys. Yeah, like pretty much. <laughs> We need to see one of them take a leap and be an A-plus guy. I think, in my opinion, the best shot at that is probably Kadarius Toney. Um, just because we saw some flashes from him last year. Uh, he had some trouble staying healthy as well. But I think that he, uh, if he can stay healthy and Daniel Jones progresses a little bit, I think he could be the number one guy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's young enough to, in dynasty format to definitely go grab. Now, last year... 31st in offense, total offense for the Giants. Right. 31st in pass yards, 17th in pass attempts, which isn't, you can deal with that. 32nd in touchdowns. Yeah. The touchdowns were non existent for this team. And in the red zone, no passing. (laughs) So it's just taking a bet on any of these guys is tough unless you're in dynasty. Redraft, don't take a chance on any of them. Yeah. I mean, I I think I would take, uh, you know, like a ninth or 10th round shot on a Kadarius Tony in redraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I'm touching any of the other guys. Galladay has not been worth the money so far. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, he can't, he still can't stay healthy. He, he's just one of those guys that's super breakable for whatever reason. Um, he had that one, really one elite season with Detroit that everyone like super zoned in on him. I was like, this is the guy, like he's going to be awesome. And it was with, you know, it was with Stafford too, which obviously helped. But I, you know, I, he's not really. I'm not really a fan of his at this point with the Giants. Um, I think we're ex- have, we're gonna have to expect Daniel Jones to make a huge leap to make every single one of these guys worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now with their totally mediocre receiving core, you could maybe see Ricky Seals Jones came in. He could maybe get something if you're late round and you don't have a tight end. Right. He he falls to me again in that that. Uh, that's not sleeper. I don't want to even call it a sleeper, just a streaming tight end where like, if the matchup is right, you can maybe count on him for 40 yards and a touchdown. Like that's kind of what you're hoping for. And I think that's really like the upside we've ever even seen from Ricky Sills Jones. Pretty Um, much. People have bought into his name a lot. Like everyone, every time he goes to a new team, everyone's like, Oh, this guy, this guy just wait, he's going to break out. And we haven't seen it yet. Well, I was just trying to give the five Giants fans out there something, <laughs> you know, because that was just uh, – it's tough. Look, you have Saquon, and I mean – That's about it. That's that's it. That's about it. Uh, I mean, Sterling Shepard is like a semi – if he can stay healthy, he's a semi, like, safe PPR guy that you can throw in in, like, a tough week. Like, you're in bi-week hell. You have a bunch of injuries. Like, if he's healthy, he has his moments where he'll throw up, show up for 15 to 20 points, mostly PPR – they like as they said they don't score touchdowns, so you better not be banking on them scoring touchdowns. But if you can get a decent PPR game out of Shepard, I don't hate it. 
but he's not somebody I'm drafting. He's more likely somebody I'm picking up off waivers to start because I'm strapped. Yeah. And I have no one else to turn to. Um, the, the team is just, uh, it's just, it's not that it's not talented. It's just, they haven't seemed to put it all together. And maybe Dable's the answer. Maybe the best thing you can look forward to is you got the number one easiest schedule. Exactly. That's, that's just, let's just bank on that until that <laughs> dies. Exactly. I will put out one little dynasty um, kind of dark horse. Also, I think the, the tight end Daniel Bellinger is interesting. Um, mm. You know, rookie out of San Diego state, he didn't have a lot of production at San Diego state, but he has taking reps as a starter already. And that's rare for he rookie is. tight ends. Um, so I think that he is somebody you can definitely take a shot on stash on your taxi squad and, and see if it turns out to be anything. He may just be like a really great blocker for them. So it maybe doesn't even help you in fantasy, but, um, he's an interesting name to watch and oh, yeah. not related to Cody Bellinger. I checked. Right. <laughs> right. Freaking Dodgers guy. <laughs> All right. Next, we're going to go ahead and get into the, uh, the Washington commanders, commies, football team. The Redskin football team commanders. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've been the, the team of many names over the last couple of years. Um, finally settled on a team name. I don't know if I love it. Do you love it? I don't know. Not not exactly. Opens himself up to a, a lot of uh, jokes. Not that they haven't before that, but <laughs> I digress. We're going to go ahead and get into the players at least. Uh, we'll start at quarterback here with the uh, commanders. Uh, we got the new quarterback traded for with Carson Wentz. Um, we're, we're a long way away from his MVP standards back in Philly. Um, I really, really was a big fan of his, even as like, as a Cowboys fan and with him being on the Eagles, I liked him a lot when he was, uh, with the Eagles back in the day, but he just really, I don't know if it's the injuries. He just never really fully recovered, um, to be that same guy. Uh, how do you feel on Carson Wentz as the new Commie quarterback. <laughs> God. Well, on the injury front, he's played in 17, 12, and 16 games. So he's finished the season twice. Getting healthier, yeah. And he's finished 14 and 12. So it has to be an upgrade above Haneke. Now, I love Haneke. Love that guy. For some reason, love that guy. Picked him up on the waiver wire, won me a game one week. But yeah, you got to say that Wentz is the guy to go to there. Uh, as far as weapons, Terry McLaurin's obviously the. He's the guy. Right. And what we were talking about this earlier, Alex Smith, Garrett Gilbert, Haskins, Fitzpatrick, that's who's been throwing this guy's the this guy the ball. Right. And he's still been coming out and putting up numbers. He's only 26. Uh, but to get back to Wentz, you have uh, Logan Thomas is a question mark. If he can stay healthy, I mean, he we, we saw uh, – a. Late age breakout out of Logan Thomas, which was, uh, you know, something we don't see a whole lot from the tight end position. Um, but yeah, Wentz, I mean, he's he's a safe quarterback, I feel like at this point. Like he's not somebody that is probably going to win you a league, but he's a streaming quarterback that you can plug in. Um, he's probably, even as much as he struggled, he's probably the best quarterback they've had in Washington since RG3's healthy years, God, I mean, which is like 2012. I mean, it we're talking is. a decade that we haven't seen fantasy production out of a quarterback. And I'm not expecting huge fantasy production from him. I'm I'm just expecting and him, hoping from enough from him to boost up those weapons. Hopefully. Um, and, you know, Terry McLaurin, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into him because he he's probably the biggest one that I think everybody kind of wants to see. Um, 
even Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, the 40 year old, just bearded goat <laughs> that he, you know, last year, he was enough that a lot of people last year really bought in that Terry McLaurin was going to take that next step with just Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, is Wentz enough of an upgrade that you think he can take that, that leap to a wide receiver one? He's been a solid wide receiver two his entire career, McLaurin so far with subpar quarterback play. That would, you know, statistically, we would say yes if you look at what he's had. A bunch of uh, <laughs> no, no R.I.P. Haskins, but <laughs> yes, it hasn't yeah. been it hasn't been a very good career as far as quarterback play goes. For right. Him. So this is definitely the best guy we've seen him play with. Right. Uh, he's one good thing. He doesn't throw picks. So he's finished top five in le- least amount of interceptions. But mm. what's funny, though, is he, even though he doesn't throw picks, the ones that he does throw are embarrassing They're enough really that bad. we like in my mind, I'm like, oh, Carson Wentz throws a lot of picks. And you then you look at his them. numbers and you're like, oh, no, he really doesn't. He just throws really idiotic ones. Yeah, you don't forget the ones he throws. That's for sure. <laughs> Literally, uh, I think it was Booger McFarlane made a Carson Wentz joke because now it's like if you throw off your back foot while getting sacked in the end zone and you throw a pick six, that's pulling at Carson Wentz now. <laughs> that's what he's known for. Even though he doesn't throw a lot of them, it's just so stupid. <laughs> he was the number five quarterback 2017. Yeah, that was his MVP season and the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Isn't that for something? Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, stream Carson Wentz, McLaurin. Um, I think he is a – I I'm still not fully in the camp. Like I, I kind of lost my my luster for him. I really really liked him last year. He obviously didn't get Fitzpatrick. He got Heineke for the most part, and it wasn't enough for me to like really fall in love with him. But I think he has that potential to break out to a wide receiver one if Wentz can support him. Absolutely, and from a dynasty perspective, he just signed a three year contract. Right. So I Wentz this week. Wentz is definitely just a stopgap. Right, I would like. I freaking hope so. <laughs> but with that three-year contract, there's a chance that you you have more going forward in redraft. That's kind of scary for Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry. But dynasty, yeah, you take this guy if he's on the on the board. I mean, in a, I, at a reasonable time. Right. I mean, in in dynasty, he he just got traded. Devonte Adams got traded away for him in our dynasty league. Ah, I mean, gosh, we're bringing so up our league. We, here. <laughs> I mean, so people people want to believe in this guy. I mean, I think he's got the potential. I just haven't fully bought in yet, uh, or rebought in. I bought in last year. Gonna have to rebuy it again. Um, I just don't think we've really seen Wentz support a true number one fantasy receiver, even in his MVP season. He does well with the tight ends. I was, but that was also kind of the Eagles' game plan. You know, Ertz and Goddard Ertz, having the two tight Ertz ends. The guy. Um, I want to see him rely on those receivers. I mean, he he made Pittman a decent wide receiver two last year, but it's like, is that all we're going to keep getting? Is wide receiver two out of uh, out of McLaurin? Also, I mean, it's safe. It's fine if he is your wide receiver two. But if you're hoping for him to take that leap, I, I don't know. I'm not there yet. Well, it's good to see that he got the contract. Right. Because they drafted Dotson. Right. And and Dotson's an interesting piece, too. So that's good to know that they're not trying to just send him off. Right. Um, Curtis Samuel's there as well. Yeah. So he's got – he's much better off than the Giants. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, the, the running back room, there's really no telling. You got Gibson who finished oh – my gosh, he's finished – top 15 every year of his career. So if 
Jade McKissick catches the passes, and I just don't know how they're going. Their offensive line is not good. They're off, they're, it's okay. Like it's, it's okay. nothing. It's, okay. it's, it's nothing special, but it's not like top of the line either. Um, yeah, that running back room, I think, to me, is actually one of the more interesting rooms because Gibson, you know, it felt like last year they really believed in him as the guy, but it, everything that they've done this offseason screams that they don't want anything to make – they don't want him to be the guy anymore. No, I don't think so either. You know, they, they drafted Brian Robinson out of Alabama, who's not like like some superstar running back, but he's solid enough that he'll he may take goal line carries, he may take some between the tackles carries – um, and then obviously they kept they sniped JD McKissick back from Buffalo after they already reached a deal with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, so they clearly want him still to catch passes. So it's like, what role are we expecting for Gibson? Is he going to lose some of the the carries and touches that he was getting last year? Well, the defense here as well is another discussion. They finished twenty fourth last year, right? But Chase Young is coming back, right? So you got to figure that has to get a little bit better. But yeah. even then, if they're trying to come back and they're trying to come back all the time and win games, then the JD, Wentz, Wentz could be a, a guy. Right. And J.D. McKissick, if they're constantly having to come back, then J.D. McKissick is going to be on the field, in my opinion, a lot more than any of them. I'm uh, a, I'm a <laughs> little bit biased towards him because I've had him for God knows how long. But, yeah, he when, when Gibson is not on the field or is hurt and out, McKissick puts up numbers. Yeah. He catches the ball. He is the only – he's the number two targeted running back in the past couple of years. Yeah. yeah. So – It's – it's it's he he does not take a whole lot of carries. Uh, I'm not worried about, you know, McKissick really stealing carries from Gibson. I'm, it's, it's the pass-catching role. And in PPR, mm-hmm. like, that's a huge thing to lose. You, you know, if you only have a guy who is, like, running between the tackles and especially if they give Brian Robinson all the goal line carries, like, what are we expecting – of Gibson, he's going to run for ninety yards. It gets you nine points. And like that's, what? That's about it. That's like mm-hmm. what is that? Like that's you don't want that. That's not that's not something you love. So I don't know. I kind of I'm kind of out on Gibson, and I think the fantasy community as a whole has really taken a step back from Gibson. I I have to. If now if he gets hurt, everybody go get J D McKissick because no. every time he steps in the freaking lineup, he puts up numbers. Right. So I know it's a it's a little bit of a reach there, but. Yeah, he's he's a. It's nice because McKissick obviously has weekly usage, even with Gibson, a fully healthy Gibson. So mm-hmm. you can take him as a tenth, eleventh round redraft, like depth piece running back that you can throw in your flex uh, or mm-hmm. during bye weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, other than that, really the only you know, Logan Thomas at tight end, uh, we we kind of briefly mentioned, but his uh, he's still coming back from his injuries from last year. Um, at his age, I don't know if we can really like bank on him coming back fully healthy and putting up the tight end. What was he tight end four or five? I believe his uh the his three. breakout year three. three yeah three in PPR. He was he was electric, uh, just a catch machine. And I don't know. Our hope is that he comes back healthy, and then Carson Wentz loves his tight ends that you just pepper him with targets again. It's a it's definitely an option there for sure. Uh, other than that, I mean, he's a quarterback. What he was a quarterback. He, was a quarterback. he played he quarterback yeah. at Virginia Tech, that, uh, and he played a little bit of quarterback, I think, for the Bills. I think he started a game or mm-hmm. two for the Bills mm-hmm. pre Josh Allen days. Um, but yeah, this is it's it's an interesting team. Are you also, uh, you know, Josh Dotson, the rookie. Um, I think we could be sleeping on him. Um, he's a pretty good route runner. He's got great speed, um, and he was 
bragged to have the best hands of this rookie class. I don't know if that's true. We'll see it in action in the NFL. Best hands in college doesn't always translate very well in the NFL. No, and he's only 5'11", but we've seen we've seen smaller guys do much more. So. Right. I think, uh, but I think he's worth uh, taking a late flyer on. Um, I think he's just, he's like that one, he was a first round pick. He's got draft capital, you know, but he's that one first round pick of all of the first round picks this year that nobody's like overly excited about, Mm -hmm. which for whatever reason, sometimes that means he's going to be the guy. I don't like (laughs) Justin Jefferson was kind of the same way when he went to the Vikings. Like everyone was like, yeah, he's, it's it's Justin Jefferson, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he came out and balled out like, (laughs) I'm not saying he's going to be Justin Jefferson, but it happens. The guy we sleep on the most sometimes ends up being the guy. I prefer Cousins over Wentz as well. That's <laughs> Let's not forget that. But Terry McLaurin fans, you got your contract. so Get excited. Get excited a little bit. Call me for life. Commies. <laughs> I do want to clarify one thing, though, that I was saying. Uh, I know I kept referring to Carson Wentz's MVP season. He didn't actually win an MVP. Uh, he was on track to um, and probably should have, but then got hurt and then ended up ultimately losing that award. And of course, <laughs> Tom Brady took that. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, big uh, Mark Wahlberg fan in the house. Are you I like Wahlberger? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Wahlberger's is good. Uh, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and go ahead and break them down. Uh, we'll start at quarterback. Uh, probably one of the more intriguing, exciting uh, quarterback options this year is Jalen Hurts. Um, how you feeling on Hurts? Uh, well, last year I wasn't the biggest fan of him, but he showed up to camp jacked. So if he's ready to put up some Lamar Jackson rushing numbers, and he even just gets a slight uptick in passing, then we're looking good. Then I mean, they 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 finally made a I mean, back to back years have made a commitment to building weapons around him. Um, they've clearly decided that he's going to at least be the guy again for this year. Um, you know, drafted Devontae Smith in the first round last year, traded their first round pick to get A.J. Brown this year. Uh, clearly, they want him to put up those passing numbers despite being the number one rushing team in the league, just running more than anyone, uh, at least in terms of attempts. Yeah, last year, he his passing was <laughs> pretty awful. It was not good <laughs> looking at his uh, looking at his board here. But if that can even become top 15, top 10 numbers. He's easily a league winner then. Oh, I think, I mean, and this is what you look for in fantasy is the guy who's going to rush for, uh, you know, 50 to 60 plus a touchdown a game um, and then throw on top of that 250 passing yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like that is league winning stuff, especially because you can get that guy, especially a guy like Jalen Hurts, a little bit later, you can literally build in a redraft team, you can build, you can get two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, like a solid tight end, maybe even a flex, and then take Hurts. Yeah. Like, that's dangerous because that's if mean. he takes that leap, watch out. That's some mean stuff. Now, there's big question marks. Of course. Obviously. They they very easily, if he goes downhill, could replace him after this year because oh. they have the team to do it now. Right. Their defense is pretty solid. Now, he does – he averages a yard, six yards per carry. Which is solid. I and, mean, his rushing numbers are great. And over half a touchdown per game. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. Um, his passing, a lot left to be desired, but now that it has to get better. It ha- he has There's no, no option. way it doesn't. He has no option but to get better at passing. And the, if you can rely on his rushing baseline, 
then it, I feel like the ceiling is is he could be the he could legitimately be the quarterback one if he boosts his Absolutely. numbers. The dude totally look what if his his grit and his mentality. You look back at Alabama. The dude got totally shafted. <laughs> came back, still went to the league. Now he's starting. Nobody would have told you. I at least me. I didn't think that that would have ever happened no. after after Tua replaced him. Right. So the transfer rules helped him a tad bit there, but you know he's still starting for the Eagles with a chance to be there for a long time, which is unbelievable to me. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's been the guy, the the perseverance like guy because I mean he was. I was shocked when he was a second round pick. I was like, wait, what? The what are the Eagles doing? Like, mm-hmm. why are they taking him in the second round? And then they traded Carson Wentz, and all of a sudden he was the guy, and it's like. All right. Well, I guess let's do this. <laughs> in our startup in 2020, he was drafted in the 20th round. Yeah. I mean, I was shocked he got taken in our startup, to Me be too. brutally honest. Me too. And it looked like a genius pick at this point. Mm-hmm. Good, my good man, job, my man, T Pope. T Pope. T Pope. If uh, anybody gets a call out, it's him. <laughs> um, but I mean, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about a little bit about his, you know, his passing weapons at this point because um, AJ Brown is obviously a huge piece um, to this puzzle because as good as Devonte Smith was, you know, he, you know, he's a solid receiver last year for them. But I think now with AJ Brown, they have an actual alpha, a true alpha who dominated in Tennessee on a super run heavy team there. So we know he can put up wide receiver one numbers, you know, rushing offense. Oh yeah. And with extremely mediocre quarterback play, right? Tannehill, super inconsistent. Yeah. You know, now he's missed a few games here these past couple of years, but that's going to happen. Uh, he finished as the 12 and the 32 the past couple of years. So let's just go ahead and throw last year out the window. But either way, he's still sit- he's still sitting at 16 yards per catch. Oh, he's a he's a he's just a it, dude. Like I you know. look at this guy, and you know, there's a handful of receivers in the league that you're just like, that's the guy, and he's one of them for yeah. sure. And let's Devonte Smith is still hanging out, right? So. And my my man Jalen Rager is still sitting <laughs> in my taxi squad for now. I'm waiting on the day. I'm waiting on the day. But that, I mean, the receiving room is crazy. Their running backs can all catch passes. Uh, you have to assume that that rushing that rushing number will go down, and the passing numbers will go up. They have to. I mean, if if they want to take a leap and actually get a little bit better, and 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 hope that Jalen Hurts is actually their future, then they have to see him become a better passer if not like you said he, he's going to be on a he's not going to he's going to be a backup or going to be on another team and exactly they're going to move on um this is the biggest question mark of this season to me oh yeah of the whole league the eagles and i know a lot of people are picking the eagles as their favorite in this division um it, you know because they're basically banking on the fact that jalen hurts is going to take that leap um because if he does they have a great team i mean they've got solid receivers now their defense has always been you know top at least top 12 you know they're always towards the top well and they got they have guys who are who need to make a mark right they need this to be their year jalen hurts miles sanders in a contract year kenneth gainwell trying to prove that he's the guy Devonte smith just got bumped down like he's trying to prove himself. Quez Watkins still is the wide receiver three. I know we what we think about him, but either way, you have a team full of guys. Goddard, obviously Goddard, but you have a team of guys that are all trying to prove that they are that legit. Right. So and, that's good. I and, think that's good. And that, that's a, one thing too. You know, being a Cowboys fan and being a, a fan of the NFC East uh, over the you know the course of my lifetime, 
you don't see back-to-back division champions. And I think it's because that division just, they're always trying to prove themselves. One of those teams is constantly, no matter what happens, the Eagles literally won a Super Bowl and then had to prove themselves after winning a Super Bowl. Like it's just how that division has always gone. And so to your point, like all these guys are trying to come out here and show that they are the team to beat in the NFC. Mm -hmm. And sure, there's there's a decent shot at it. I would absolutely hate it as a Cowboys fan to see the Eagles win another Super Bowl. I know you would, <laughs> and that's why this next discussion is going to be a fun one. <laughs> but as of right now, you know, I mean, heck, you even still have got Zach Pascal sitting on their bench. Yeah, interesting pickup uh, to come over from uh, from from Indianapolis. Yeah, and free my man Minshew. Let him play <laughs> a down again, please. Minshew is uh, is. Mark my words, he's the new Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like he will always be the guy who travels around from team to team. Will get plenty of starting opportunities and be this like backup travel dude. For- Fine with that. Let him touch the field. Yeah. When when Gardner Minshew is playing, the NFL is a better place. Oh, it's a fun. He's so much fun. And who knew like where that came from? That I know just- you. <laughs> I know you guys can't see it, but look at his profile picture. I mean, it's just <laughs> mullet mustache. That's all you need. <laughs> you can't like, beat he's that. The man. guy, absolute the guy. Um, but you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the running back room, we, you know, we kind of briefly touched on it. Um, I know you are a big Miles Sanders fan, big Miles Sanders. Thank you, Andy, very much. (laughs) Um, you want to talk a little bit about, uh, your expectations for him in this offense this year? Uh, well, Gainwell coming along that much was not, I did not expect that. Uh, I just figured it'd be 27 year old Boston Scott sitting there (laughs) as the backup. Now Gainwell comes along as a big pass catcher, and he's trying to make his mark as well. But either way, even if the rushing goes down just a little bit, I mean, they're still rushing all the time. right? And if Hurts passes more, that's more receptions for Sanders. I think he's a great find in Dynasty or Redraft right now, if you can find him late. I think it's totally possible that you can find him late in the draft, and if he's sitting there, you take him. Gainwell... I'd say that's more of a – he does have value in redraft, but I'd say he's more of a dynasty pickup. Yeah. He, he feel, he, I mean, he could be a decent handcuff, and he does have he – He's seems, a great handcuff. He's, great handcuff. He seems to have more of the pass-catching role than Miles Sanders does. Um, it, it feels like over the last couple of years, the catches for Miles Sanders has kind of gone down a little bit each year, and that's partly because they've switched to Jalen Hurts, who's going – you know, when the play breaks down, he's more likely to run – then dump it off to his running back. Mm-hmm. Um, but the touchdowns is what we're missing from Miles Didn't Sanders. He, he has been the epitome of not scoring touchdowns his entire career. Um, and I think we're just waiting for him. Like literally, if he can go out and get six or seven touchdowns, we'll feel so much better about Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to hope that Jalen Hurts isn't taking all of them or the ones that he isn't running in that he's not throwing in because – the tight ends have always caught touchdowns for that team. That they've been the guys doing mm-hmm. all the the fantasy touchdown and, and even PPR points for them for several years. I would never reach for him, and I wouldn't go out and trade for him. I was lucky enough to get a good deal that I was on the right side of. But Gainwell's the Gainwell's the one there that's puts the big question mark on it as far as Sanders' productiveness. Yeah, because. What what was he at? What did he sit at last year, receiving wise? Thirty three receptions, 
So one for, touchdown for a guy who didn't really get a ton of catches who, or a ton of touches. I should say a lot of, you know, snap share. He, you know, he's yeah, a rookie at that time. Boston Scott was the guy because right. Sanders went down. Right. So, yeah, when you include all that, I mean, he's Boston Scott. He's just uh, out I, of the yeah. picture. I at think this he's, point. he's been supplanted. Yeah. So Gainwell, Gainwell and Sanders, they could be, they could be pretty good. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm, I just don't, I haven't decided how I really feel on like how, how heavily I'm going to buy into this backfield and especially in terms of redraft. Um, Miles Sanders, like he could be the RB, like an RB2, a solid RB2. And he's going in a range where like if he is your RB2 or especially if he falls enough to be like your RB3 or flex, like that feels like a safe enough zone where I'm like, yeah, go after it because his upside is obviously a lot higher. Um, I just don't know. Like it, their offensive scheme just feels like they've gone away from him the last, uh, the last couple of, of years. It seems like his production has gotten worse and worse when we were expecting upward tra- trajectory for him, you know? Absolutely. Dynasty contract year. So that's a good, good way to look at it there. Redraft. That's a sketchy game you're playing. Now with running back though, contract year. I mean, does that scare you at running back? Because it depends. You never know if you know if they go to a new team and they're no longer given the same role. That that's always terrifying to me. Like if I'm going to make moves at running back in dynasty, it's almost always like let them have a good, decent contract year and either sell them during that season or right after that season is over. That's always an option. So if you for, can, for me, it's always been a coin flip. No. Mostly on the bad side for me, but it's always been a coin flip 50, 50 shot. You don't know. They could go to a team like, I don't know, Miami. like the chiefs just brought in Ronald Jones. I think he still has value. Yeah. So that something like that, something along those lines would be something that I would hope for right. at least. Yeah. I mean, and dynasty is, or he goes to the Miami 17 running back room. Or down there. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. God help us when we get to Miami and trying to break all that down for you. <laughs> um, the, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a coin flip. It, I've always talked about dynasty as like as like a stock room because the values can change in a heartbeat for some of these guys. Um, and Miles Sanders will fall under that category for this year because he could ball out and he could tremendously shoot up his value and immediately not get resigned by the Eagles and go somewhere else and be totally worthless. Like yep. it's that it's just a funny game we play. Um, it's fun. We lose money. We win money. We <laughs> that's what makes us fun. Like I said, I got him. I got him at a tiny bit of a discount. But thank you, Andy. But we're <laughs> we're gonna have to wait and see how that one goes. Now, uh, I I do want to touch on a little bit. We we kind of briefly had a little bit to say about Devonte Smith. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about him because I do think that he is more of a uh, PPR guy for the Eagles. I do feel like in terms of who Jalen hurts trusts right now, he feels like the most trustworthy only because he has a repertoire with him. He feels like the guy that when the play breaks down, he's going to be the one to find the open field and get open for him to dump it off to. If he can't scramble out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, how how do you feel about Devontae Smith for this year? <clears throat> well, I feel like this is only year two for him. Right. I feel like we've treated him like he's been around for a few years. But he's – assuming he's finished about average. You know, he was top 30 at least, which is not bad for a rookie receiver in a totally run-first offense. Right. 
And if, if that upticks, if he becomes top 15, I mean, he's a great pick right now because A.J. Brown dropped his value pretty drastically. Yeah, that, that's what that's what's tough is, is... If you pick him up now, I think that'd be the time to get him, but... Yeah, you might want to yeah buy buy into Devontae Smith before his value goes up. Um, he could be a great Godwin to the Evans kind of thing. That's a that's a great that's probably a great comparison because I do think that it's a very similar style. The only difference, obviously, being that Tampa is super pass heavy and the Eagles are very run heavy, so the volume may not be there. Um, I guess to me, that's the scariest part of of taking any of these pass catchers is that unless they decide to throw a lot more than they do now or they have over the last two years with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. There's a lot of solid talent, but is there enough volume to go around on a week-to-week basis to be worth the capital you're going to spend to get them? Yeah. Especially A.J. Brown because he's obviously – he's the biggest name. He's the guy that everybody wants to get. And if you get him and he – his volume shrinks – it's going to be tough to know whether or not it was worth his second to third round pick that he probably is going to be in redraft. Yeah. And like we said, there's big question marks around Hertz. Right. <laughs> there's, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head what AJ Brown's contract is, but he's still on his rookie deal. So, so it's probably he, yeah. a couple more years at least. Yeah. He's got, this will be, I think he is going into his third year, right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so he, I mean, he definitely has the opportunity to, come in and be the guy for them. Uh, but like I said, if the volume goes down, you're going to spend a high price on somebody who may not reciprocate the volume that you expect. That's a scary one to do with. Um, now, I like Smith in, in drafting format. I like Smith more than Brown right, at because, this point. Because yeah. you can get him at a way better value, and if he could easily be as productive, if not more productive, than Brown. Uh, and he's like I said, he's the guy that that Jalen Hurts has already dealt with. Like they, they already have a connection. Oh yeah, the report. Um, so it it'll be interesting to see how that those targets break down. I hope there's enough to go around to make both of them valuable, and throw in Dallas Goddard on Dallas, top of that. Dallas Goddard's still there. Um, who, like I said, the Eagles are are they they love the to throw to the tight end. Um, and Goddard, you know, thankfully no longer has Zachert story about for the first year he'll have a full season of Dallas Goddard. No, oh, yeah. you know, nobody, nobody else has taken targets away from him in the tight end room there. All those things considered last year, granted you add AJ Brown. Now he still finished as the 11 with basically no passing game. Right. With earth still in the mix for half a season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would Goddard's a great play. He's going into 27 year 20 or his year 27. I like him. He he's a he's one of those guys that he feels at least safe enough that like he's gonna go in like the mid rounds in redraft, uh, where you could you feel pretty safe taking him. Like if he's the guy you start the year with, you're like oh, I'm not too worried. I got Goddard, um, but has the potential I think to I don't know if I want to call it a breakout because I think we've seen enough of him to know that he's like he's solid enough, but he could make take another step. Uh, and be mm-hmm. a top six to seven guy. Like, oh yeah, I think he's safe in that in that range for this year, especially with the tight end wasteland that most of the league is in. If you well, don't that's have the a, top guys, that's a conversation for another podcast, which we can maybe do after these divisional breakdowns, um, because there's a lot that goes into where he's drafted, who's on the board when you're taking him, right? And that's a big piece with Goddard there, because right. I think if you find him late round, he's one of the best oh, yeah. steals you could get. Yeah. 
it it all depends on the draft that you're in. Right. So definitely not a guy I'm reaching on, but somebody that uh, I think that I would be very comfortable with being my starter if it got down to it, where I felt comfortable with the rest of my team. Didn't have a tight end. Goddard's on the board. Go for it. As somebody with Ertz, <laughs> I really like Goddard. So <laughs> we're gonna have to be happy that they split. Uh, split up. Indeed. The band is broken up. Indeed. We're going to have to see how that one goes. <laughs> I did just find that uh, I kind of forgot about this, that uh, A.J. Brown's contract, uh, I know I said he was a, a rookie deal, but he actually, I forgot, when he got traded to the Eagles, they actually went ahead and signed him to an extension. So he's a $100 million man now. So uh, look out. AJB could be uh, could be something. Yay! All right, last but certainly not least. Pretty close. <laughs> We got uh, everybody's favorite, or at least America's team. This what uh, this is what what uh, what Forbes has decided is that uh, the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. Jerry Jones decided that. it was <laughs> okay. not Forbes. Okay, fine, fine. Uh, so the obviously I've been a Cowboys fan my entire life. Um, I'm going to try and not show so much bias here, um, <laughs> but we're, we're going to go ahead and get down into breaking them down. Um, we'll start with. Uh, with the the new face of the of the Cowboys, I just not new really anymore. But Dak Prescott, uh, he's he's a likable guy. He's somebody that I think a lot of people enjoy watching, uh, mostly because he kind of came out of nowhere and took over, which is it, it's always exciting, no matter what team they play for. I mean, Tom Brady did the same thing. Um, but how how you feeling on Dak as a as a dynasty manager of Dak Prescott? As, a, as an owner of Dak, you know how it's gone. I've tried. I also have Burrow, so I've been trying to flip that back and forth, debating on what to do. I've been trying to trade Dak for anything I could pretty much find, and nobody will take it. So this is the this is going to be the most argumentative discussion that we've had, because I know you're going to be high on Dak, and as you should. But I, I don't know. I like having Burrow. Dak doesn't have the he doesn't have the receiving core. He has Ceedee Lamb. I, he's lost. Yeah, he's this offseason they have lost weapons uh, for the first time where like it's actually gone taking a step back. And then you se. have Gallup coming off a big injury, right? Um, Zeke, we will have to save that for the running back discussion. But Zeke and Gallup, I believe, are or Gallup uh, Pollard are close to. They're close to about leveling out. Yeah, I. Uh, well, let's go ahead and start with the running back room, actually, and we'll, uh, you know, because I think Zeke and Pollard are, is what a, a lot of people probably have the most questions on because, you know, Zeke has been the guy for so long. Um, even at, he's only twenty six years old. That's what's crazy. 26. Like every he time I look at him, I'm like, deal. yeah, I'm like, this dude is like thirty at this point. You got like, you look at him, and you're like, he's been in the league forever. No, he's twenty six years old. But he's got the miles because they just absolutely loaded him with touches uh, for the first several years of his career. That now it's like, what do, what are we expecting from him? Are we expecting him to bounce back and get all these carries again, um, or are we expecting him to kind of take a step back again? Uh, obviously, he was banged up last year, but played through a lot of it. Uh, I don't. I just. How do you feel on Zeke? I mean, where, where are you at with him at this point? Well, a scary part, there's a statistic I saw the other day. It's like post-2000, he's like top 10, top 15 in carries. Yeah. Since And the, the only people being ahead of him are like the Adrian Petersons and the, you know, Le'Veon Bell was on there. Yeah. Ladanian Tomlinson was on there. But like top 10 in that in that number is a lot. Right. 
So I doubt we'll ever even get close to that again. And I, I believe Zeke started up here and is now is he's on, he's been on the not decline as far as talent, but as far as usage goes, Pollard started way down there. And now we're kind of at a point where they're meeting in the middle, right? Almost like a Jonathan Stewart kind of. <laughs> Jonathan uh, Stewart. Yeah, that that. <laughs> hey, man, Jake Delome at quarterback. That was a fun team. But I think that they're they're now they're now at that middle ground where you can go with either of them and not really because Pollard's been he's a, he's been electric. He's on the field. He's great to watch, he's, and I know you can attest to that. Oh, of course, he is. A, he's absolutely electric. The interesting thing to me in terms of the Cowboys' running game is obviously so like. Pre-Zeke, you know, you had DeMarco Murray who had like 350, almost 400 carries God, that yeah. season. And I, as, as a Cowboys fan, we should have won the Super Bowl that year. That was the Dez no-catch. I'm just <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Like, DeMarco Murray was on a path. Like, I'm winning the Super Bowl, and it got robbed. Whatever. I digress. Um, but he's, you, He's still mad about Tony <laughs> Romo. He's still upset about Tony Romo. <laughs> uh, the thing is, though – the Cowboys from that point had always been this just like run, run the ball, run the ball. We're going to run the ball until we can't run it anymore until what, two years ago, like right before Dak, you know, tore his leg open basically, um, which gruesome. If you've ever, if you've never, have you never seen that video? I, I don't recommend going back and watching it, but go back and watch it at the same time. Go watch it. So you can throw up. appreciate his MVP season. <laughs> he's about to have, <laughs> but I think that season in particular, that was one of the worst defenses the Cowboys have had in a while. They've always been like kind of middle of the road. Uh, but that was the year like they were so bad that they were constantly in shootouts. And they realized at that moment that Dak can throw the freaking ball. Like, Oh, yeah. And I think since then, once they realized that, they realized that they don't have to run the ball 400 times a game to win football games. And so they finally kind of done this like more well balanced approach, and I think that that has hurt Zeke for fantasy purposes uh, because they're trying to be a little bit more explosive. Sprinkling Tony Pollard uh, and Zeke has between the the banged up injury he had last year and the emergence of Tony Pollard, it's hard to think of Zeke as like the elite number one running back that he used to be. True, and you could I would say. I think it's been two years since he blew up his leg. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he played all last year. Season and a half ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, awful fantasy season for me. (laughs) But he, he probably is just now to the point where he's comfortable running again. Right. So he he's not he's not a Jalen Hurts or a Lamar Jackson where that when he takes off that's it. Like when he breaks the pocket, there's still a lot of passing opportunities. I believe he had six hundred. 600-something passing attempts. Joe Burrow only had 500. Right. So I'd hate to go back to my individual situation, but still, like, Dak is throwing the ball. Oh, yeah. He is a he is a potential top-five quarterback. Oh, of course. I have no doubt in my mind. Now, as far as the running back situation with Zeke and Pollard, that's tough. I'm at the point, though, with the running back room that, like, People are so scared of Zeke that it's pushing his value down to a place where, like, I feel comfortable because we obviously know his upside. Uh, we've seen it. Granted, I don't expect him to get those kind of carries again, but we know that he's going to be the goal line guy. Like, it, Pollard is not that guy. He's a little dude. Um, and so I really expect him to be, for the most part, like, first, second, and goal line guy. 
that if the offensive line is still good enough to open holes for him, like he could still be solid. And if he's your RB two with RB, like an RB one upside, like I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I, I think he really has to be an RB one. They paid him so much. Right. And that's the other thing. There it's, is no, no way you would let Tony Pollard and him even out on carries. Oh no. Or he, receptions. There's no way that you let that happen. From a from a financial standpoint, that makes zero sense. From a game film that's watching, typical, typical Cowboys move. There. I know, you, know that. you go you go and pay this guy a t- butt ton, and then Pollard out carries him. Right. But <laughs> oh God, he has to be an RB one. Hopefully, I, I I mean I'm hoping for it. I I would love to see him kind of bounce back a little bit and get back to Zeke form. Uh, Pollard is going to have his weekly usage, whether or not they decide to give him more carries or more opportunities or not. I mean, they're rumoring to line him up in the slot. Like that's been a thing that they've talked about. I love Pollard. I've, I still regret that trade with Dylan to this day. <laughs> um, He's just, every time he touches the field, it's something. He's explosive. It's, some, it's something fun. But he's not a between the tackles carrier. They have to, he's almost um a little bit Devo Samuel in that way. We're like, oh, yeah. you got to get him, you got to get him in space. You got to get him on like a swing pass where he can just take off. He's not a guy that you're going to say, hey, I'm going to run an ISO and run you right up the middle. Like, that's just not going to happen. No. Like, he's not that style, whereas Zeke is. And that's why it's like, it's not, it's a yin and a yang. Uh, it's, you know, the balance of thunder and lightning, which is exciting for the Cowboys in terms of football, like what you're hoping for. But for fantasy purposes, it makes it scary. It's a scary game to play. Because the closer that they've gotten to that, the, the more I view them kind of how I view uh Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt with yeah. the Browns were like the better Tony Pollard gets, the less you, t- you the more you take away from Zeke. And that's kind of it was the exact same thing. Like Chubb was a dominant ball carrier, and then Kareem Hunt got, you know, added to the mix, and he took away some of that explosiveness that Chubb used mm-hmm. to have too. Uh, it's very similar. They and they have to, you know, the Browns, you can make it work because they run the ball a lot more than the Cowboys have the last two years. So you're you kind of have to hope that now that Dak doesn't have as many weapons, off, like passing cat, pass catchers, that maybe they go back to running the ball a little bit more. But the offensive line took a step back. Absolutely. So, I mean. Another another thing is there, you from a like dynasty or redraft perspective, Zeke's value has fallen. Right. But it's still too high for me to be comfortable with. So you're, you're pretty much out on Zeke. Yeah, pretty much. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not big on the Zeke game. Um, I know you are, which is a fun a fun argument to be had another time for me. But. It's, it, it's hard, obviously. You know, I I've watched it firsthand for four years of him being dominant, and it's it's hard to totally just give up on a guy. But I get it. I totally get it. Well, I, that that carry statistic, oh, yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. He's up there with like people that have played for twenty years and retired, <laughs> and he has as many carries as them, and he's only twenty six. Right. Pollard is my guy. I love Pollard. Um, from redraft, you could go with either of them. Dynasty, I don't touch them. Uh, I don't touch either of them. Oh, Dynasty is actually terrifying because it, I actually made this uh, comment to another one of our Dynasty uh, mates, uh, the champion, Matt Hatcher. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I made the, the point that like Zeke has an out in his contract after this season. Like they could cut him and actually not save money, but like it won't hurt him as much. So if he's not effective, it could be an option. And Pollard is a free agent. He could have a good enough season to price himself out of Dallas. 
So for all we know in Dynasty, both of these dudes could be out of Dallas next year and they could go start all over and they could have somebody like Bijan Robinson, which it's totally possible. is terrifying for like anyone who has Bijan because he could be awesome for them. But like, we don't know. Like th- their future is so much up in the air at the running back position after this year that Dynasty is a it's a little scary. That's a sketchy game to play. Now with their higher draft pick, I expect them to go a receiver. Uh, but with that Amari Cooper peanut deal that y'all got back for, <laughs> for him, I could see them going and picking up a running back. No, I it, could see that happening. It, it'll be interesting to see how they decide to proceed forward. Obviously, it a lot depends on how they perform this year. Um, but let's go ahead and uh, move on to the pass catchers on this team. Um, obviously, CeeDee Lamb is now the guy. With Cooper being traded to Cleveland, CeeDee Lamb is being asked to step into a wide receiver one role. Um you are the dynasty manager of CD Lamb. I reached you, for him years you, ago, and you, I was I was criticized. You reached in the in the in the startup, and I thought we, even as a Cowboys fan, I thought you were a little bit crazy for reaching on him. But he has the web the tools to be the guy. I think we think he has enough talent to do that. Uh, you might be a little higher on him than me, even as a Cowboys fan. How where are you at with CD at this point? Well, him and Jerry Judy are my favorite. You know potential breakouts which cd lamb has already technically broken out but but, but he hasn't been a wide receiver one no he we're hasn't. waiting for that leap and if dak prescott throws 620 passes again <laughs> then we're we're talking about something great then but if you look at his number two gallup who is currently probably not going to start the season on the field right they brought in james washington who is so, also so. potentially not going to start the season so, on the field so so a <laughs> An, an option that you can look at in in dynasty absolutely is Jalen Tolbert. Right. He, they drafted they drafted him. I don't know where they picked him up. I want to say it was a third round pick. Third round pick. Yep. Either way, he will start the season on the field. So that's a that's a good place to look late rounds if you just if you're torn between picking up Tim Tebow's or Ron Gro- Rob Gronkowski's, <laughs> go pick up Tolbert. No, no, Tim Tebow all the way. Tim Tebow all the way. Yeah, right. But. I mean, regardless, I still don't think it affects Dak's performance very much. But C.D. Lamb is the guy. Yeah, I mean, he he has to be because, you know, like you said, with Gallup out and with, you know, a lot of new faces in that, you know, pass catching core, uh, C.D. has to step up and be the guy or they're not going to get off the ground. Um, I my biggest thing with this entire pass catching core is that the defense has slowly gotten better and better that. I don't think they're going to have to pass as much as they were in the last couple of years. And they've in Kellen Moore as an offense coordinator, they always spread the ball around. So, you know, that makes it fun for you to have multiple options from this team, but hoping for one to be like the guy and be a wide receiver. One is just not as common with this team. Well, taking out Tolbert, cause he hasn't touched the field yet. You have CD lamb and Dalton Schultz. Your backup to CeeDee Lamb is Ty Freifogel, uh, TJ Vasher, Noah Brown, and Brandon Smith. Who? Exactly. So at this point, I mean, even after Gallup and Washington come back, they're probably not going to be – because this retains that they're not going to be their week one. So even if you, you have to go to CeeDee Lamb, there's no spreading the ball around at that point. Right. Or your heavy rush. Right, which is Gallup's time to shine because I just don't see them using Zeke like they did before. 
No, I, yeah, and I agree. I, I think that they want to move off. Gallup, of, sorry, Pollard. Pollard, you know, Pollard. I want. I think they want to move off of running the ball a hundred times like they used to. But um, yeah, I mean, CD Lamb. I I think he has the potential to break out to be a wide receiver one. Even as a Cowboys fan, I'm just not quite there yet. I I just think that the volume is going to come down if he has a great start to the season. He's somebody that I wouldn't mind if you drafted him trying to trade because when the other other pieces come back, his volume might drop a little bit more and maybe he's not quite as explosive. That's kind of what we saw a little it, bit last year. It might it might drop or it could go, could go up. Right. I mean, yeah. That's a tough game. To, there's no, there is no definitive number two really here. You have Gallup and you have Washington. But they, me and you both know what they're capable of. They, so. they, they have to expect Gallup to be the number two and he's an interesting option as the number two once he comes back healthy we just don't for sure know when that's going to be uh which makes it hard especially in redraft to take him and hope that he is anything of value like he has to have a like a late season breakout basically at that point because mm-hmm. they're not going to come back 100 percent. no in, in my opinion the number two is dalton schultz and will probably Definitely. stay the number two definitely um, Dak seems to really favor him when the play breaks down. Uh, Schultz seems to be the guy that he kind of relies on. Um, and I don't I think part of that is because when Dak first came in the league, he had Jason Witten, who was like the definition of PPR monster tight end. And so I think that's like kind of what Dak got used to, like, oh, the play's breaking down. What am I going to do? Uh, oh, there's Dalton Schultz right in the middle of the field. Like, I think that's what he is used to doing and that's what he will continue to do. Um, you're not wrong. At all, but I do know that you have a Jason Witten poster out there in your hallway. <laughs> so we're we're having a little bit of bias here, but I completely agree. Schultz is, I mean, he's 25 years old. He's coming off number three tight end. Right. Dak not showing any signs of throwing any less to me personally. You think differently, but I think Dak will throw the ball 600 times again. It's very possible. It's out, it's, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility. I'm more of the Dak in the qb six seven eight range that i am which is where he finished that's where he finished i i i view it very similarly like to how he was last year um they i mean they've rumored that he is wanting to run the ball a little bit more like he feels more comfortable running it so maybe that boosts him a little bit but he's never the cowboys just as whole as a whole have never run the ball a lot with the quarterback so i think you're hoping for maybe 20 extra yards and maybe he runs in a touchdown like that might save you uh and boost him enough to get in that top five um i i see them pulling out all the stops because mccarthy is super bowler bust at this point right oh yeah i mean you gotta assume he is yeah he was on the hot seat when he signed (laughs) so like the first minute he signed he was already on the hot seat to be fair that's all cowboys coaches they're always on the hot seat (sighs) Wade Phillips, my man, <laughs> but he, you got to be ready to do whatever you got to do. If it's Dak running the ball or throwing it 700 times, I mean, it's there. Yeah. You, it's pretty much the same deal as last year to me personally, except you've lost your, your number one is now replaced by CD lamb. So, right. And your two and three are now 
coming off major injuries. Right. And, and you so got, a, and you got a rookie who, who could, you know, we don't know. He, he's a, you know, small time school prospect, you know, coming out of South Alabama in rookie draft. Great late pickup. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like best late pickup you could have. Exactly. I mean, he could easily come in and if he comes in and dominates early, especially when he's going to get that opportunity, he could be a total steal. He's somebody even in redraft, like, you're at the end of towards the end of your draft. You want to take a late stab at him and and maybe and hope that he gets off to a hot start. You, you never know. Like There's totally a chance. Yeah, he, he's a he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of how the Bears handled Darnell Mooney. Like he was kind of like a <sighs> mid to late round receiver who like nobody really thought much of. Came out of a small school, but immediately got an opportunity and and did a decent job with it. So it's like if he can come out and ball out. He's an interesting piece to pick up and and you know hope for something decent. But sorry, Bears fans, I hope you all the best. <laughs> Darnell Mooney, Mooney season, a lot of believers out right. there. We'll get we'll get into that at another point. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean this is a this is a fun team, but uh, you got to expect kind of all over the place, and that's just kind of how they've always been. To me, I want to see Kellen Moore be creative. That's what I want to see. It's possible. All right, so that pretty much wraps up our NFC East breakdown. Uh, one of my favorites, obviously, it's pretty much a, a no-brainer at this point. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, who is your favorite to come out as the champion in this division this year? Division winner? Mm, I got <laughs> – this is not my – this is not – I don't enjoy this but it will be the Cowboys. All right. I will take That's all very, numbers. There's a big, it's because they are the rock and there's just question marks all over the place with Philly. Right now, I would say it would be the Cowboys. Okay. Um, uh, I always will appreciate anyone picking the Cowboys to do anything know, of sucks. substance. That sucks. <laughs> I know it hurts you a little bit to say, and what's even going to hurt more is that I'm actually going to disagree with you. And I'm actually going to say that I do think the Eagles take that leap and win the division. Partly, it's a little bit of like the numbers game of the fact that the NFC East doesn't have back-to-back division winners hardly ever. Um, but I also think that they might just be like a little bit more well-rounded. It hinges on Jalen Hurts, but I, I think they're going to take the division this year. Not picking them to win the Super Bowl, but I do think that they might win the division. That was the closest question of all the podcasts so far. Yeah, the yeah. This- Eagles and Cowboys was a really. I debated on it for a while there. Yeah. And I, I eventually, all my fantasy investment aside, I, I think the Cowboys are just the more reliable option. Well, don't smile. <laughs> too late. Uh, now, in terms of fantasy purposes, which, uh, which player is your favorite uh, fantasy MVP for this division? So I'm going to split it up. Uh, if you're talking, if you're talking just what would I would like to happen would be Jalen Hurts. Uh, the the my more serious reliable option would be Dak Prescott is going to be your league winner this year. Okay, uh, court yeah, quarterbacks both with the opportunity to break out and just be something spectacular this year. Honestly, um, I'm actually I'm picking Jalen Hurts to be the fantasy MVP of this division because I think his value in in redraft and what we're expecting him to do with the new weapons I think is enough to make him the MVP draft draft the heck out of him if you get as much of him as you can uh because i think that his his rushing upside and the potential for his passing to go up is enough to win you a league this year and if philly if philly does win the division dallas will be a wild card right uh yeah no i i, I think with the expanded playoff this year i think there's a good chance that 
both of them could both make the playoffs this year for sure. Um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up our episode for the week. Um, I appreciate you chase for showing up and, uh, having a good time with me here. Absolutely. I'd like to say a couple things. Uh, Andy, good job on the music. Thank you for that. We love that. We love it. Number two, go Falcons. <laughs> Number three, bring back Gardner Minshew, put him on the field. Hey, I'm all for that. I'm out. Appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, the one just a little kind of housekeeping note, uh, there's a decent chance that we may not have an episode next week. Uh, the 4th of July week uh, is a little bit of a tough week to get a recording in. Um, so I apologize ahead of time if we don't get an episode out uh, for next week. Uh, if we do, it's a nice bonus for you guys. If not, uh, you can bank on it, us being back the week after 4th of July. Um, as always, though, we're going to leave you with a, a finishing question here. Something uh, can fall into the news notes if you really think about it. Uh, who you got winning this matchup? Le'Veon Bell or God? Adrian I can't believe Peterson. we're going this way, but Adrian Peterson, <laughs> who's going to win this boxing matchup? Because it's happening. It's going to be live. We're going to love it. You guys pick. You decide. We'll see you guys next week, maybe two weeks. Love you guys. Appreciate it. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real.